You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. This is the second part of our audio tour of this year's The Landscape Show, run by this episode's sponsor, Landscaping Victoria Master Landscapers, which was held on the 24th of May. We're about to hear from nine more of the 88 vendors that were present on the day, most of which I simply didn't have a chance to chat with because it was just such a jam-packed day. Whether or not you attended this year, hopefully you'll get a lot of value out of the questions that I asked on your behalf. I'm here with Jane Bowl. Uh, it's a very chilly outside here today in the uh, in the outdoor area of the event, but how are you going? Really good, thanks, Daniel. That's good to hear. So we're with Coolabar Turf here. Can you tell me about the company? Uh, yeah, Coolabar Turf has been around for around about 20 years. We're situated, situated up in Echuca, um, which is on the Murray River, um, Chukamoama. Probably a lot of people have heard about it, especially recently with the floods that we had last year. Uh, yeah. So you guys are selling turf. We've got four varieties here. We've got Sir Wally, which everyone knows and loves. We've got the Nullable Cooch. We've got Tiff Tuff, and we've got Eureka Kaikuyu. Can you tell me about these four different varieties here? Certainly, Daniel. So the Sir Walter Buffalo DNA certified is probably a household name around, um, especially Victoria, being that it is um, it's Australia's number one selling grass just due to its capacity to withstand full sun and part shade. Um, it's highly drought tolerant and very quick to repair, great for kids and dogs. Feels awesome under your feet too, it's a beautiful grass. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. uh, the next one we've got here is a Nullarbor Cooch, which is another way of that. It's uh, Santa Ana Cooch, which is pretty much renowned for its sports field efficiencies, um, low water, but does full sun. Wonderful. So now we've got Tiff Tuff. That's another one I think a lot of people will recognise the name. Tell me about Tiff Tuff, please. Tiff Tuff is a new variety of cooch that's out. It's a hybrid cooch. It is the difference basically between, let's just say, Santa Ana and the Tiff Tuff is that it is more drought tolerant. It actually takes up to, it's 38% more drought tolerant than the Santa Ana variety. It's also a darker, greener variety. Um, it actually does tolerate a bit of shade. So it can do four and a half to five hours, whereas the Santa Ana, compared to the Santa Ana, it needs six hours of full sun. Um, really, really quick to repair and um, highly resistant to most um, pests. Okay, so off the back of that, it's just the way that you've described that, it sounds like Chief Tuff just has everything that the, the Santa Ana does, but it just does it better. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, and also it's winter activity. So we do say it actually goes into dormancy later, so it's greener for longer and it comes out of dormancy quicker too. So it is a summer grass, uh, but it, it does withstand in winter. As, as we know, there are two types of grasses, winter grasses and summer grasses. The less frost that we have on any of these varieties the longer it will stay greener. And it can potentially stay green all year round if you aren't in a frost-affected area. But sadly, Echuca gets very frost-affected. Frost. <laughs> but we do use products to help keep that green over the winter months. So. Lovely. So now we've got the uh, Eureka Kaikuyu. So I think anyone in Melbourne who knows anything about grass at all will know Kaikuyu. Yep. So the difference between um, our Kaikuyu, which is Eureka Premium VG Kaikuyu and a common variety of kaikuyu is actually that it is more winter active 
So again, it goes into dormancy later, comes out earlier, but it is a finer, greener, prettier looking leaf than what common kai is. Um, it's not as invasive as that common kaikuyu uh, just due to its smaller internodes of its root system. Um, repairs itself really fast and is extremely um, drought tolerant. Well, that's what we like to hear because I love kaikuyu grass as long as it's on the turf and it's on the garden beds because once it's in the garden beds, it tends to get away. Yeah, absolutely. So why would a company like Coolabar Turf come to an event like this? Like, What do you guys hope to get out of coming to the landscape show? Okay. Um, I actually deal with a lot of the landscapes, that's uh, the landscapers, so that's the department that I work in. So um, we today we've had a lot of people who already use us. Um, there's a lot of people who don't use us. So we just want to get our name out there to introduce ourselves because it's always good to have a backup supplier with anything you're dealing with. So you know that um, Melbourne tends to get a little bit more rainfall than Watertuka does, so except for last year. Um, So, you know, it's just handy. So there, um, as I said, there's a lot of landscapers out there who don't know that we're around because we aren't Melbourne-based and we can supply actually all year round just due to where, you know, our seasonal conditions up there in Echuca. So it's about getting in front of your existing clients, remember, like reminding them who you are and what you do. And it's also about getting in front of the new clients, just getting the name out there saying like, hey, we're here. This is what we do. If you ever need us, we're here. That's it. And because we're also a supplier for Bunnings, um, we do majority of their stores. Um, landscapers, you know, who are who are doing a job, they run short. The ease of just running in there yep. and going and picking it off the nursery pallets. Um, yeah. We deal with landscapers who only do small quantities. So, you know, there's always a minimum um, yeah. delivery. So, you know, it's let's just say it's 30 square metres and they just need 10 square metres for a patch-up job or, yeah. you know, that the actual yard is only 15 or 20 square metres. The beauty of having it in Bunnings is just means that they can go there and pick that up off the shelves. And they're the same variety, same genetic material, all that. So we only have the Sir Walter Buffalo in the Bunnings. Um, if they want any of the other varieties, they can order it through their special orders and they can get that delivered, but it has to be 40 square metres and over. Beautiful. So, look, what have been some of the questions that people, when they come in, what have they been asking you? Where are we situated? Yeah. It's probably been the biggest thing. So, it is really good to actually get our name out there and just, you know, and tell them that we can actually deliver to the other side of Melbourne. I think that's um, a lot, the other turf farms that are around Melbourne are situated over this side. Um, so just letting them know that we actually can deliver over here. Mm-hmm. Tell them that and they go, oh, yeah, you're about the same price as the yeah. other turf farms. So it's really just good to, yeah, get that actually out to them. Wonderful. And I've got one more question. What would you say to someone who's thinking of attending next year, whether they're coming as just an attendee or whether they want to hold down a stall like you've done here today? Uh, I would just highly recommend both ways like if you're having a stall here fantastic but as a obviously a supplier for turf the people that have come through the doors today I just say it's make it a must if you're a landscaper there's so much out there there's so many new things out there just you know keep in touch with what is happening and what is happening now so um, there's new varieties out on the markets like we're trialing new varieties right now so next year it might be a whole different conversation with newer, better varieties that hold their colour for longer over the winter months, as an example. Um, But, like, we met some guys this morning who came over and they've got all this... um, um, It's about drainage and everything like that. And, you know, that was before we opened it. That was really good. He was interested and I was interested because I do lawn doctorate 
Coolabar and it was like, oh, you know, I wish we could get this out to the general public and say, make sure you put good drainage in and make sure you put irrigation in. So there is lots to see and learn here. It's, um, it's, it's a great show. Yeah, that word networking gets thrown around a lot. Look, networking isn't just about making friends. It's about doing business. It's about making money. It's about how we can help each other advance the industry together, creating better products, creating a better finished product at the end of the day, but better landscapes. Correct. That's exactly what it's all about. And it's not about competing against others. It's about, as you say, it's just getting your name out there and all working as one because we are, we're all here to help the landscaping industry. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much for your time, Jane. Thanks, Daniel. Lovely to meet you. I'm here with Nick Pierce from Bunnings Trade. G'day, mate. How you going? Yeah, good. How are you? Really well, thanks. So, I guess this is where trade obviously is. This is where the landscape trade is. Is that why Bunnings are here to get in front of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. We've had um, over the last sort of 18 months, we've rolled out a new strategy, which is our landscape specialists. Um, it's a uh, an offer of our, um, you know, a, a professional service for all of our landscape customers that we've got um, and some dedicated team members that are experts in the field. So, yeah, that's why we're here. We're here to promote that, um, but support the industry and uh, learn what's new in the industry and, um, yeah, just get involved in it. So speaking of learning what's new in the industry, what, what have you learned that is new in our industry that listeners should know about? Oh, Absolutely. That's put me on the spot. Um, look, I don't know. There's it's a whole new range of different um, products that we're, we're seeing here. Um, I love seeing the uh, all the tastes coming through here and, and watching those guys learn as well. That's the, um, you know, that's the industry growing. That's the, the future of the industry. And um, yeah, I'm, we're privileged to be here, I'd say. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's great to be amongst here. There's lots of youths parked out the front. Uh, it's actually tricky to get a, a park here today. Um, look, what are people asking you when they come in here? Yeah, a lot of the, the people are saying, um, you know, can I have some uh, Bunnings merch? But at the same time, um, you know, we're promoting our service. It's been actually really fantastic to get, um, you know, to be able to speak to some of the customers and really uh, speak to them about our service offer. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think everyone's just happy to be here. It's good vibes. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got advice for anyone who would attend an event like this, what, what advice would you have? Oh, that's um, be prepared to eat a lot. Be prepared to um, go home with a, um, uh, a, a sore voice box from talking so much. Um, but be, be prepared to uh, listen to people as well. So always, always, um, yeah, don't listen with the intent to, to, uh, to return a, another question, but just listen to some of the experiences that some people are having. That's such good advice, especially for people who are starting, who may have, who's, you know, we're coming with a noisy mind, we have all these expectations, and what we find here may not necessarily be what we expected. Yeah, absolutely. Just listen. Like, you don't have to, yeah, return fire with everything. That's something that I've always sort of, always sort of uh, worked on in my, myself. And, um, but yeah, listen, listen to the, to the people with uh, intent to listen, not to intend to, um, to return fire with another question. So. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Nick. Appreciate your time, mate. Thanks, Daniel. So I'm here with Rebecca Bodycoat from Soil Bond. How are you going? I'm great, thank you. So can you tell me about, like, what does Soil Bond do? Soil Bond is a stabilising product. Um, it's a binding product and also a dust suppression product. Um, it's Australian-made, environmentally friendly and an alternative to cement stabilisation. 
So I guess painting a picture, I'm having a look at the photos here. It, it's like, have, have listeners, you've all surely walked down a granitic sand path and the wind's blowing and it's all dusty. You know, the granitic sand particles are waving around the wind. They're ending up in your garden bed. They're ending up on your neighbor's roof. They're ending up in the water supply. They're ending up everywhere. So tell me about this product. Like, what is a soil stabilizer? So soil bond is a liquid product and it needs to be mixed into the materials before it's compacted down. And then once it's done that, it will set hard as a rock. It'll resist wind and water erosion, as you mentioned, with the dust particles. It'll assist with that too. But keep in mind, it's not a sealer. So while it will set hard as a rock, you still have that lovely natural finish with some loose fines on the surface. Great. And it's naturally derived. What, what's it made out of? So that's a good question. So the, the um, raw material is called tall oil pitch, which basically comes from pine trees. So it's a, it's a sticky product and that's what gives the product the binding power. And how long does it last? Provided that it's installed correctly, you should get at least 10 years out of it, but maintenance is easy. Wow, and I'm just thinking about, imagine what the normal granitic sand pathway looks like in 10 years without a product like that. Exactly, you might have cracks and ridges and holes with, with soil bond that should alleviate all of those problems. And then there's that one part where the water always runs over and there's a little gully that everyone trips in. That's right, again, soil bond will um, assist with resisting that. So can you tell me why would a company like Soil Bond attend an event like this? That's a good question. This is our first time in many years. Uh, we are a small business and we basically manufacture and ship direct. So it's been a wonderful opportunity for us to meet all sorts of people within the industry. And for the morning, it's been, it's been great. Yeah. And what have people been asking you? A lot of questions, what is the product and um, application information and uh, mixing ratios, really. Yeah, I think that this is a product that I think the industry will really love. And I'm probably seeing that with a lot of people here asking you questions today. That's right. And to date, we've had a lot of support through councils and government because one, it's a great product. And two, it's an environmentally friendly, non-hazardous uh, alternative to cement stabilisation. So what's wrong with concrete? Why, why would we not want to put concrete down rather than granitic sand? Well, with uh, the granitic sand, it gives you that lovely natural finish, cement can be seen as a concrete jungle. So yeah. with mixing soil bond with the granitic sand materials, you still get that um, lovely natural environment. Love it. Thank you so much for your time, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm here with Cameron Gage from Avant. How you going, mate? Yeah, good, Daniel. How you going? So tell me about what do you guys got on display here? Yeah, we got the Avant range of mini, mini loaders on display, which are small articulated loaders which come out of Finland. Um, with over 200 different attachments, so very versatile, compact machine. And tell me, who are your clients? Like, what's your typical customer? Yeah, it does vary a fair bit due to the versatility of the machine, but um, probably tree, tree guys, arborists, uh, landscapers, nurseries, builders. Um, yeah, pro- property maintenance, but yeah, they're probably the main, main industries we supply to. So I can see, um, so what do you call them? Articulated what? Oh, mini, mini loader, compact loaders. Mini loaders, so it's like a bobcat type thing, right? Yeah, correct. And they've also got a telescopic berm, so they've got more reach than an equivalent sort of skid steer machine. So can you tell me about that uh, tele- telescopic reach? So what, what does that mean exactly for someone on the ground working? Yeah, well, it gives you, depending on the model, between 600 to 1,000 mil of extension. 
which which is great for if you've got to reach into gardens or tipping over high-sided trucks, that sort of thing. And what have people been asking you as they come in here today? Oh, probably the main questions are what what, what sort of uh, attachments, specialised attachments we might have to sit there sit their industry, um, and yeah, what what, what how it's going to help them take away the manual labour in their business, pretty much. So we've touched on some of those attachments. Can you go like paint a bit more of a picture? What's possible with these machines? Yeah, well, the list is um, pretty pretty much endless. But yeah, um, hedge trimmers, um, it, flail, flail mowers for um, forestry work and um, land clearing, um, pallet forks, buckets, trenches, you name it. Yeah, we've got it. Um, but yeah, full range is on our website, eventequipment.com.au. Love to hear it. And what advice would you give to someone who's coming here next year? Like, uh, whether, like just the punters, just the people who are coming in, maybe they're students, maybe they're new to the industry, maybe they've been in the industry for years, but they've never been to an event like this. Yeah, well, I'd, the advice would be to not be, not be narrow-minded at all, keep an open mind about what different ways to what, what's being done currently that can be done in the future to make, make things easier and more efficient. 100% agree. Yeah, that's, that's what this is all about. You see so much innovation in a place like this. And I think these machines that you got here, they're absolutely beautiful. They're gorgeous to look at and um, they look pretty powerful too. I mean, I've never actually driven one myself, but yeah. Yeah, no, they're pretty attractive machines. So they not only work well, but they look good whilst doing it. Thank you so much for your time, Cameron. Well, thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. So I'm here with Veronica Carnavali and Natalie Triumphi. How are you going, girls? Great. Thanks. How are you? Awesome. Thank you. So, okay. So we're here with DNA recruitment. So obviously I would say the biggest issue in the landscape industry at the moment is the staff shortage crisis. Tell me about that. Um, so at the moment with staff, you know, they are currently seeking more ongoing work. Um, so that's pretty much what it is. Um, Pre-COVID, it used to be, you know, okay to put out people for a day here and a day there. Those days are no longer gone because of um, okay, they're wanting that stability. Um, so that's where we're at at the moment with that, yes. Yeah, stability. So I, I actually built a job board for this reason. It's called Hort People. Yeah. Um, yeah, just my last landscape boss couldn't fill my team leader role with eight weeks' notice. Yeah. And so now he's shut down his horticulture arm of the business and now he just does mows. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing at the moment with trying to get staff and trying to build that business and trying to manage it. And everyone even here today is saying the same thing that... We're hearing it over and over that the staff shortages is hard for businesses to do what they need to do without people. And that's why we're here, though. We can help them. So that's yes. a, it's yes. a good plus. We have a lot of options within DNA recruitment to assist you know, our clients. Um, you know, obviously, being the only recruitment agency who is a, a member of Landscape in Victoria, we've been able to prove ourselves that we can supply the staff within that, agent, um, in that industry. Um, we also have like a division of DNA training, so we provide training to our clients as well to also assist with you know, getting people job ready to start working through DNA. Love that. So are we talking about like skilled, unskilled, a bit of a mix of both? Both. Some of our clients want you know just basic garden labourers where you know, have a little bit of skill, have a bit of an interest, and then they can teach them from there. Some of them might want, you know, if they're wanting a, like a, a foreman or a site supervisor, depending on what our client needs, um, we always provide what they require. Love to hear that. So why are DNA here? Like, why are you flying the flag here today? 
Well, um, as a recruitment agency, our job is to provide um, problem solving for clients. So we are here to speak with you know, new clients that will come on board um, and see how we can assist them in this current um, candidate shortage times. And anyone who might be looking for work. So it's sort of the both the, the people who are sitting there going, well, I'm doing it. Or the, we found a lot of people who are studying at the moment who might be going into the workforce. So it's that client and that candidate space, and that's why we're here. Yeah. So I think a lot of businesses focus on, um, you know, SEO, and, and I think SEO is great. As if someone's searching for your business, that's awesome. But And, and the same goes for, like, uh, candidates as well. But why, like... Now that you're here, people don't even have to search you because they may not know the right words to search to find you. So if you're here, you're getting in front of them and then they don't search recruitment, they search DNA recruitment. Yes, correct. That's correct. Yep. And we've spoken to a lot of people who are wanting to know what we do and don't, you know, depending if they're in the northwest or whatever it may be. We're based in the southeast, we're based in Hallam, but we cater everywhere. So people who are might be in the north go, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, we can easily cater and, and help you out. So... You need the coverage, and it's great to talk to everybody around here. It's been great. Absolutely. So if you had one piece of advice to give a business owner who's looking to find some staff, what would you say? Call DNA Recruitment because we can help you. The thing is we can find great staff. We vet them for them. You know, that we do all the hard work and we produce. So it's just also looking at culture. So without that sort of side, looking at culture, making sure you're finding that right person and not just taking the person just because you need someone yeah everyone's been there yeah and also as well yeah DNA recruitment uh, we are a small to medium-sized um, recruitment agency um, we are obviously different to larger recruitment agencies as well we um, value our clients and also our staff we don't just treat them as a number you know we're always there to ensure our, you know, our staff are okay our clients are okay you know, we're always in contact with them and you know we're always there yeah, I love to hear that because it's a very lonely thing being a business owner, especially a small to biz- medium business owner where you've got maybe, you know, between five and 20 staff. You, you don't have your own recruitment manager and that's what the big companies have. You've got to stick to your core business and you've got to accept help where you can. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's exactly right. And our GM gets involved sort of thing as well. Yeah. So you're dealing with the consultants and yeah. not... and. The directors yeah, within our business. And also as well, um, DNA Recruitment Director, you know, she's also, you know, goes out to see our clients as well, you know, to show, be out there, be the front foot as well, you know, to show that, yes, you know, that she does care. Not a lot of directors at bigger recruitment agencies will go out and show their faces, you know, to show, you know, that they care about what they need. Yeah, we're very passionate about what we do. We're very passionate about our clients and our candidates. Yes. We love what we do, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing good work. Thank you so much for your work, guys. No worries. Thanks, Daniel. Have a good day. You too. Me with Connor Pyro from Daisy's Garden Supplies. How you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Groovy, thank you. So what are we displaying here at your section of Landscaping Victoria's The Landscape Show today? So um, we're purely here for awareness. Uh, Daisy's is growing in the industry. Um, Started off with um, just a couple of garden supplies in the um, southeastern suburbs, um, and now we've got eight stores around Melbourne. Wonderful. So I can see your photos here. You're really pushing the soil and the transport aspects, uh, it looks like, in the mulch as well. Is that pretty much what you're pushing here today? Yeah, so it's building and garden materials. So we have a, um, a wide range of um, brick sands, concrete sands, um, aggregates, um, Garden soils, lawn mixes, uh, pebbles, mulches, 
Um, and we currently have just over 100 vehicles on the road around Melbourne. So what have you noticed here today at the event? Are there any trends you're noticing? Um, I think I think it's just purely uh, getting to know um, a, a lot of existing customers that are coming through. And um, like I said earlier on, the awareness. Um, people actually haven't... Um, heard of daisies or, or the growth that we've um we've seen so it's just good to have a chat to um to everyone about that i heard somewhere i don't even remember who said it but i think it's true it takes seven touches before someone buys so what that means is you know they might need to google you first they might just see you at an event they might just see you on social media what do you think about that thought yeah actually um i, I agree with that so we were at the international uh, melbourne international flower show um again just trying to raise awareness um so and a few people that i saw at that show have been here um so yeah i, I definitely agree with that yep and what have people been asking you here today is there a bit of a theme or is it just quite sporadic or what have people been asking you oh uh, look it pretty much um a bit of everything um again store locations um you know a bit bit about what we do um you know type of materials and products that we we stock um so yeah just general general conversation really okay fantastic is there anything that you would tell someone who's looking at attending an event like this whether they want to be a stall holder or whether they just want to come here for the networking aspect as a just as a guest what would you say to someone who's attending an event like this well i think it's um it's it's great to raise awareness for for your company um and and just to you know, have a chat to people in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it um, for anyone in the industry. Yeah. yeah, this is my third time coming here, third year in a row. Uh, I'm already seeing so many faces I recognise, and it's just good to catch up with people, and that's good for business too, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that, yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Con. Appreciate that. No worries at all. I'm here with Kate Sidebottom and Adrian Saville. How are you going, guys? Hi. Good. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, it's a great day. So we're here at HR Products. What does HR Products do? Okay, so HR Products are a wholesale importer and manufacturer of irrigation equipment for the industry. And there are a few, you know, irrigation uh, manufacturers and, and um, producers and retailers. What makes HR different? Okay, we're Australian-owned business. Um, we distribute some of our own manufactured product that we make ourselves, and we're also an agent for Hunter Industries in Australia. And Hunter's a name that a lot of people will recognise. Tell me about some of the products we see on the bench here. So what's going on here? Okay, so today we've focused the uh, products we've brought on the landscape market. So here we've brought some Antelco pot stream sprays. Uh, these will irrigate your pots around your landscape. Um, we've also bought some um, lilac-coloured sprinklers for anyone that's using recycled water now to irrigate. Um, and also over on this side here, we've brought in our Beehive Smart Watering Tap Timers. These tap timers are available in a single, two-port and four-port outlet, and they do come with Bluetooth connectivity, so you can use your phone to program them. And that's what we want in this modern age, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. A lot of what we're finding... A lot now is uh, smartphones have taken over our lives, so they have their irrigation equipment also. So why would a company like HR Products come to an event like this? 
Um, well, we're here purely just to promote our brands that we distribute. Uh, we sell through a, um, a network of dealers and resellers. And um, our job here is just to promote awareness of our brands and talk to people about issues and problems they're having in the landscape and irrigating and how they can overcome those. So it's um, helping people who are in their fact-finding, help them find those facts. It's about getting in front of your existing customers and it's about getting in front of new people too. Exactly, exactly. And this is where the industry is, so that's where you've got to be. That's right. We've been attending the landscape show here for three years now. Uh, We find it um, very good. Uh, a lot of good feedback and a lot of activity and a lot of people turn up to it. So it's a good opportunity to get your brand and your products in front of the market. What are people asking you? Um, people are asking us about uh, irrigation control, um, sprinkler systems, um, how to irrigate their pot plants and things like that. And just, just the different types of technology that's around that they may not be aware of. Love it. Any final thoughts, Kate? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. That's cool. Thank you so much for a great chat. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. I'm here with Luke Bennett from Palink. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Daniel. So Palink, that's a it's a it's a company that's around, and if you're on social media, you've heard about it. And if you go to the landscape show and some of these shows, you might have seen it. Can you tell me what Palink is? So uh, Palenque is a uh, French company that uh, makes uh, different equipment for different industries. Uh, the focus for us here is on commercial equipment for landscaping. So it's predominantly or only backpack battery pretty much, is it? Uh, no, we do do some small plug-in batteries as well, but we will only do that where there is uh, balance on the tool and that it's beneficial to the user. Okay, so I'm somebody who has used petrol throughout most of their life. You know, I'm the guy who's had one petrol blower in one hand and the petrol blower in the other hand, and yeah, my back's paid the cost. So tell me about, like, what are you guys doing that's a bit different? Yeah, so we've, we've had about 18 years of experience with lithium batteries, and we started off with backpack batteries. So we have a lot of experience in this field. Um, our harness system for our backpack batteries, which are generally about six kilos, uh, we spent three million euros in developing that harness. So it sits off your back, but it's also very ergonomic in terms of distributing the weight. So picture me holding two blowers, they're away from my body, out from my body. I can only imagine how much stress that's done on me. Whereas when you have the weight on your back, it's a lot easier to manoeuvre. And I guess this is the same reason why people wear, you know, in the Tour de France, they've got like backpack water bottles and stuff like that, right? Yes, that's right. I think the benefit of having a backpack battery is that it reduces the weight of the tool in your hands. And it also allows you to have a powerful tool in your hands as well. So why would a company like Pelink come to an event like this? Um, Because we have a lot of users in the landscape industry um, that have used our our tools over periods of time. And it's good for us to showcase new tools to them and to give them an idea of how we're going forward with innovation. So the innovation is the big word here? Yes, exactly. Um, For example, our batteries have side ventilation, which allows air and water through them, which will allow them to naturally cool. So that's, that's uh, a patented innovation of Palenque. There we go. Is there anything else you'd like to say to anyone who's listening to this right now? Maybe they've been to the Landscape Show before, maybe they've been to something like it, or maybe they've never been to a show like this before. Um, yeah, it would be good if people came along and we'd love to tell them about our products and, and give them some information and, yeah, happy to speak about what we know. So Thank you so much for your time, Luke. Thanks very much, Daniel. Appreciate it. 
I'm here with Jermaine Brand. How are you going, mate? We've been connected on LinkedIn for a little while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, very pleased to be connected with a superstar like you. <laughs> you make me blush now. But, mate, um, look, you're, you, you own Urban Canopy in Australia and you're also working as the national sales representative for Planterbox. Can you tell me about what's going on there? Right. Um, so we, um, we all agree that uh, we need more greening in our cities, uh, yet in a highly densified uh, urban center, it's pretty hard to dig the ground and actually add some more greening. Uh, so we specialize in above-ground greening, so solutions that are easily deployable, cost-effective to uh, indeed add a layer of green, be it horizontal or also vertical with urban canopy, creating shade and cooling in those areas where you couldn't do a traditional park or, or dig to put a tree. Okay, so for anyone who's ever seen the product with your eyes, you know exactly what Urban Canopy is and you can see immediately what the value is. Can you explain what's going on with this Urban Canopy system to someone who can't see it, who's just listening to this? Sure. So the idea was to, um, to create a, a shape that replicates the shape of a tree, so that's minimal footprint on the ground, large canopy cover. So it's made of composite uh, glass fiber rods uh, and it essentially looks like a big flower. Uh, and, and the best analogy I've got for it is if, if you were to compare it with a tree, um, we provide the trunk, the structural bit, and then we use climbing plants to cover it up and create the, uh, the foliage for cooling, for shading, for biodiversity and all the biophilia uh, benefits that it brings as well. So, um, yeah, and, and, and we've created it with a base that's built in with its own substrate pot and water reservoir. So it's also uh, self-watering with a smart irrigation system. Um, so very much complementing the existing urban greening efforts in the city in the shape of trees or parks in those areas where we can't do that. So accelerating the urban greening transition. Love that. I love the language you're using too. You're not replace, we're not replacing trees. We can never replace trees. What we're doing is we're adding to the urban greening environment with um, some structural integrity for fast-growing climbing plants. The trick is um, the built environment has really, is really built around us. It's not built to accommodate more nature. And nature uh, isn't as predictable. Uh, and, and that's a challenge when you get into those projects because at some point it's got to be ticked off by an engineer. And the engineer will say, whoa, 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 that doesn't behave like a brick wall. That's, that's <laughs> tricky, you know, like what's going to happen in five years, in 10 years? What if the roots go here? And so um, that makes it challenging. And the built environment, you know, underground, it's full of services, you know, water and electricity and sewage and, and whatnot. Um, so it's a lot more um, constricting in what you can do. So that uh, spins an entire industry called the green infrastructure industry. So that's your, your green walls, your green roofs. Uh, and so we add another, we like to call ourselves like another tool in the toolkit of urban greening. So we're another tool uh, to add that layer of green on the ground in those areas. So let's say it's a kindergarten, it's a council area, particularly something with a lot of concrete around in an urban area. And this is the solution to put a tree where a tree can't go. Spot on. Uh, and talking actually about kindergarten and school, there's a very sad slash interesting story there so uh, a lot of schools have 
trees in there, which is fantastic. However, uh, there's been a, in the past, there's been a few accidents with, uh, with kids falling off trees. So now each school has to have what's called a, a tree audit every year to, uh, to inspect the safety of a tree. And so you can end up with beautiful established trees having to be chopped up. And on the flip side, you've got another side that says there must be a certain amount of shade in those courtyards. Uh, and so you end up with only one option, typically being the shade sale, which is not very aesthetically pleasing, not very sustainable, actually drops a lot of microplastics. So we actually are pretty successful with schools because we provide a solution that is freestanding, easy to and quick to, to deploy, can cover quickly 50 square meters of canopy cover with climbing plants, which are growing far quicker than a tree to create that shade. And they're still going to give us all of that cooling effect through their photosynthesis and through their respiration and all that good stuff that we're going to get from a tree, we can actually get it from these climbing plants instead. 100%. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's probably not as thick as, as a tree yeah. in the amount of like dense shade, yep. but you're going to get 50 square meter of shade in three years rather than 20 years. And you're going to have the, the habitat, you're going to have the pollinators eating. There's a food source for wildlife. All that good stuff that we want. And, and that's part of a, of a design process. What plants do you want to put there? Uh, and obviously a lot of climbing plants have awesome flowers, mm-hmm. bringing a lot of pollinator yeah, during, during springtime. Uh, absolutely. So, Jermaine, can you tell me about Planterbox? So you work for this company as well as um, owning the rights to the urban canopy in Australia. But we've talked a little bit about the urban canopy system. I'd like to know now about Planterbox. What's going on there? Sure. Uh, so in regards to um, a traditional greening of, of established hardscape, um, the good old planters are, are used. And, and that's a good solution, um, primarily for looks, like in terms of growing a tree in there, you're never going to get shade because the rooting volume is too limited. But one of the big challenge um, with those planters is irrigation. So you live in a, in a, in a restricted rooting area, uh, where you essentially have to recreate a, an ecosystem, like a soil ecosystem, managing the entrance and, and, and what's actually happening in there. And one of the key issues typically is around irrigation. Uh, so for a council, if you've got planters in the city, you got to be there every day in summer to actually water them. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's a pain, pain in the backside. For yeah, for days. a $3 plant to spend, you know, <laughs> a couple of thousand bucks a year on, a main, on maintaining it. So um, Planterbox has, um, has specialized in developing wicking bed and, and water reservoir and all their solutions. Um, uh, going from the traditional planters to put trees or flower beds uh, down to uh, grass trays, so actually putting turf in areas uh, that is entirely above ground and on, on palletized, so you can come with forklift and move it around. Um, as well, I've recently developed um, the, the world's first, as far as we know, uh, hanging basket, flower basket, built in with a water reservoir and wicking system. So instead of going there with a ladder every day, you're doing that once a week. So that's reducing costs. It's uh, improving plant resilience. We're ticking all these great boxes. So it's the same client for both of these products, right? So you're really servicing like councils pretty much, right? Councils and, and schools would be the two, two main ones. Um, uh, so in, in the councils, there's that it's fairly new discipline called placemaking. Uh, which sort of 
was very emergent. I think it started 20 years ago in the US, but it's really in the last three, four years and really since COVID that it's, it's really started taking off big time because people were leaving the city uh, and, and the councils really had to find strategies to what they call activating outdoor spaces to create those space, making the city essentially uh, people-friendly rather than car-friendly. Yeah. Right? And so that means closing spaces to, uh, to make it, to turn them into places that are uh, community-driven, that can create a sense of community. You want to hang out. You're no longer walking past this area to go from A to B. This area becomes the destination. And so... Um, Put together with um, Plantabox and Urban Canopy, we like to call ourselves as the experts in nature-based placemaking. Uh, all about creating those, those areas where the community can come together, uh, it, you know, but based around nature. So, um, placemaking, um, sensory gardens as well. Uh, so to cater for, for you know, different members of, of the community, neurodiverse, neurodiverse and, and connecting, tapping to biophilia. And, uh, There's that word. I want to chat about this. I knew this word was going to come up when I was talking with you, Jermaine. That's great. Look, what is biophilia? Because I think it gets thrown around a lot, and I think sometimes it's, it's used in all honesty, and then sometimes it's used disingenuously. So tell me, what does biophilia mean? Right. Uh, well, I'll give you my definition. Um, so um, biophilia essentially at its essence is, is our connection to, to nature. So we are part of nature. We're one species among you know, millions of us, and, and we all come from the same ancestors. Um, as far as the human race, um, 300,000 years old, um, it's only very, very recently in our history that we live in spaces where we are disconnected from, from nature. And, and the, um, the pace of evolution of our society is very different to the pace of biological evolution of our brains. So our brain is still coded from thousands of years ago where we used to walk around the bush. And so like, the brain still needs those nature stimuli to actually be well and feel well. So today there's a lot of scientific research coming out clearly showing the further away you take human being from nature, the more you have issues with mental health, with physical health. So that's... That's biophilia, understanding that. And, and look, it's, you know, it's, it's not, not a new concept. I guess it's a new term. It's a coined term that, that puts a finger onto something that we're all sort of aware of. You know, nobody says, great, I've got two weeks holidays. I'm going to spend it on Swanson Street, right? We go to the beach. We go to the mountains. We go to, to Gippsland for a New York case, right? Yes. So, because... Like inherently, intrinsically, we know that and we, we're drawn to it. So in, in regards to the, the built environment, uh, so it's, it's how do you design spaces understanding that. And so that, that draws, uh, that, that links to what's referred to as biophilic design, uh, which is mainly used in the context of buildings, but can very much be used as, you know, in terms of, uh, of uh, the streets and the outdoor spaces as well. So... Um, it's about bringing nature, so natural uh, sun, you know, natural sun, wind. Um, it's about uh, building, you know, bringing a lot of na- like plants and water, building with natural materials, so timber, rock, and trying also to 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 to, um, 
built with shapes that are reminiscent of a natural world, which is very much what we can see with a, with a canopy, those organic shapes. Because in nature, uh, very rarely do you find a square or rectangle or triangle. And there's a lot, as you said, there's a lot of scientific research around that. That actually, it's not a trivial thing. It's a, people, doctors in hospitals, you'll see photos of plants or paintings of plants. Just imagine, and that's because it helps people heal. It actually helps us heal our bodies. And how much more do we heal our bodies? Do we heal our minds when we're immersed in a nature that we can see, not only see, but touch, taste, smell, feel, feel the cool air around us from with the, with the moisture from that transpiration. 100%. So the brain, you know, how do, we, how do we make sense of the world? It's through our five senses. So, yeah, biophilia is very much engaging with nature. Um, you know, you know. I, I like that, uh, that term that says uh, that nature is our biological home. Mm. This is home, mm. you know, and, and that's how our brain still thinks of it. Um, and so my personal journey through um, professional journey is to really um, bring in nature but in um, more... Uh, in ways that it is not really happening today. So, um, uh, you know, linking that back with biophilia, one thing that is very underexplored is sound, mm. right? How do we bring nature sound into the city? So I'm starting a partnership with RMIT University to design a range of street furniture with sounds from nature that are being captured and resti- restored in, a, in an immersive way, in a 3D manner. Mm-hmm. Um, the smells also very uh, under underrepresented nature smells into the city. Uh, so a bit harder to do that outdoors, easier to do that indoors. Depends on your plant choice, mate. This canopy or the planter boxes, there. This is an opportunity to put some smelly plants in it. How about jasmine? Like just star jasmine, or 100%. or even like simulate scents, like scents. You know, like just like you know, KFC does that very well outside. Yeah, right. You know, is that what they do? Do they 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 100%. This, Is that a manufactured smell? Yeah, yeah, that's a oh. diffuser. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why you know you can smell oh. 500 meters of it. Oh, there's a case yeah. here right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, and, and the next uh, big one that I'm very um, excited about as well, uh, which I'll bring in about a couple of years, is bioluminescence. So, um, breathing, living light. So what does bioluminescence mean? So that's like fireflies and stuff, right? 100%. Yeah, fireflies, glowworm. So nature produces lights. Interesting. How can we reproduce that? Very cool. Uh, so that's, um, yeah, again, bringing cool technology from, from overseas into Australia. So that's living bacteria that you, you feed and, 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 and provide oxygen to that will grow. Very cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Light up, light up tomorrow's city. <laughs> Well, there you go. You heard it first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the Daniels podcast. <laughs> on the Plants Grow Here podcast. Thanks so much for your time, Jermaine. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks, mate. Follow Landscaping Victoria on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and find links to learn more about all of the vendors I spoke with in the show notes. Keep an eye on social media to ensure you don't miss next year's show. It's a great chance to learn what's new in our industry, catch up with old acquaintances, and you might even make a few new friends. Check out episode 105 of the Plants Grow Here podcast, where I interviewed Megan Flower, Landscaping Victoria's CEO, before last year's The Landscape Show.